90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Pretty good. It's um, been nice and rainy again here in Colorado, so that's always bad, but (laughs) we're working around it a little bit. Um, The students are all doing individual mapping projects around camp, so it's been a quiet week. Wow, so what week are you guys on now? So this is week four. Um, It's it's scary because this individual mapping project, um, our camp is set up in the mountains, and so it's a perfect place to do geology, and we literally just turn them loose out the door and say, don't talk to anybody. (laughs) And they all get really nervous because in a day and a half, they have to turn in 10% of their grade. And it's sort of, you know, they've done a couple mapping projects already, and it's sort of one of those things that this is you becoming a geologist, so go to it. Yeah. So how did the mixing bowl go before we talk too much about the personal mapping projects? Because that's uh, a really fun area to map. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's going pretty well. Um, While the students are mapping, we're actually grading their mixing bowl maps. And like I said before, the mixing bowl is a really challenging place to be. And um, the students, when they're not doing their individual mapping projects, they're actually they switch off. They do individual mapping and then they do geophysics for a couple of days. And they tried to do geophysics in the mixing bowl. And it was <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, it's sort of a natural uh, division. The geologist and the geophysicist kind of pick on each other. And the geophysicist really made the geologist work. And I think they got a new appreciation for all that standing around and lugging equipment and all that. So yeah, it was you quite know- exciting. The, geolog- or the geologists always said that we didn't do anything because we were always standing around. But once you carry <laughs> two car batteries and a heavy backpack down into the mixing bowl, you begin to appreciate <laughs> geophysics a little bit more. <laughs> I believe those are the exact words of some of the geologists, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were not excited about that. But the good part is now when they have to carry around their heavy field packs, they will not complain at all. <laughs> Yeah, having to carry around a big so. clipboard and a Brunton seems like nothing. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, it is exactly right when you carry a couple car batteries down and try to plant geophones and granite all day. It's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> so the students are out and about camp doing mapping of it's a pretty decent sized area, right? Uh, it's a little under a square mile. Okay. And um there's, but there's a lot of different stuff happening which, you know, I obviously can't say anything about. <laughs> But as we've talked about before, you know, this area is all totally structurally complex, as is the spot right around our camp. So they had to do that. They contended with some rain today, and that was exciting. It's always exciting being in the field when it's raining. And so (laughs) they weren't happy, and we had to go print off a bunch of new maps since their maps got really trashed. (laughs) So we had to do that. But in addition to grading and sitting around, we're getting ready to go on our regional field trip for week five. And... That's pretty exciting. Yeah, so this regional field trip is something that we didn't do as geophysicists when I was there as a student or as an instructor. So where are you guys going this year? So this year, um, we're heading north. We're going to go to Rocky Mountain National Park, and then we're going to go to um, up through Wyoming and visit a place called Sheep Mountain. It's a really famous anticline. If you have a structure book next to you, look it up, because it's absolutely a picture that's in your structure book. It's very classic. Um, and so they're going to do some mapping around Sheep Mountain Anticline. 
And we're going to continue up. We'll have a fun day in Yellowstone. And I'm currently writing the guidebook for that right now as we speak. And then we're going to do some more mapping. And we're going to camp in uh, Grand Teton National Park. Oh, wow. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And it will be. Um, we have a lot of exercises planned for the students, which they're probably not super excited about. <laughs> <laughs> because this fun field trip is going to be work as well. Um, and they have at least three mapping projects. Um two smaller mapping projects and a, probably a test out of it. So it will be a lot of work, even though it's going to, you know, be beautiful scenery. It looks like the weather is going to be wonderful. And I think everyone's pretty excited. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. And I was just looking up Sheep Mountain Anacline. We'll put a link in the show notes, but you've definitely seen this. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, think of an anacline. That's what you're thinking of. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so... It's pretty classic. It'll be it'll be cool for the students to get to actually see it in person. And just it's always fun when you get to see these places that you've heard a lot about. And I don't think a lot of students have been up this way before either. So that'll be an adventure. And as we talked about on the show, you know, not all the students are super excited about camping or all the instructors from what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to camp our way up there because I'm hardcore like that. Yeah. Well, no, that's great. And the the more beautiful the geology is that's around you, generally the more complex it is, it seems like. So since this is such a beautiful area, it'll be a great mapping activity. Yes, so that's what that's what makes it so wonderful is because not only is it great scenery, which I get to enjoy, but it's <laughs> going to be a very hard, very hard project for the students, which, I mean, is, it's about stretching, you know, stretching your boundaries as a geologist. And since they haven't been up there, it'll be really good. I... I I'm so envious of all the colleges and universities that are right around here that this is their backyard. So oh, yeah. we get to experience some of that next week. Well, yeah, and going to these classic textbook places is a lot of fun. I remember several years ago driving around out in the desert trying to find this uh, one fracture that had these beautiful arrest lines that I had seen in a lecture <laughs> two years before that because I wanted to get a picture of it <laughs> for my own lecture. <laughs> So there's something to be said. I I did actually. (laughs) Oh. Yes. So there's something to (laughs) be said for going to find these textbook examples. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. I'm sure that this is, again, one of those things that they won't appreciate because they're going to be working their butts off so hard out there. And, you know, 10 years from now, they'll be like, man, that was a great field trip. That's all I asked for. Right. (laughs) Well, so you've been outside a lot this week as you will be for the next few. And I have still been mostly inside, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's probably hot up there, right? Or no, not yet. But it's relatively warm, and it also has been pretty rainy here. We actually have had a couple of thunderstorms. And believe it or not, central Pennsylvania had the only two tornado warnings in the country a couple days ago. I did see that. I figured you were probably pretty excited about it, but were you out chasing that? Uh, no, chasing here doesn't really do any good because it's hill and valley. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, you don't want to sneak up on a tornado like that. That would not be wonderful. No, and the storms, the good storms were just east of here, and of course it was while I was at work, so couldn't really get any great views, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the story of a chaser's life, right? It's always the storms are just out of reach all the time. Um, so what else have you done inside this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually participated in a really cool event that was a poster pitch competition. Uh, so it was these really short pitches about your research. 
Okay. Was this like put on by the school or geology or what were you well, talking about? This was actually put on at the, uh, we have this thing called the Millennium Cafe every week. That's part of the Materials Research Institute group here at Penn State. And the Millennium mm-hmm. Cafe is just two talks that are 15 to 20 minutes long, uh, kind of a broad overview of someone's research. And we have donuts and coffee and chat. And it's a good place to cook up some collaborations. So this year... That's kind of cool. Well, yeah, this year they had the idea that at the end of the school year, they would get 45 students together, and they would have you present your research to a panel of judges, and you had two minutes or less to do it, and they had stopwatches. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. I recently uh, judged a poster contest, and I wish we had those time constraints because we had a student talk for 25 minutes at his poster <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, no, these were these were pretty strict time constraints. And the judges were not all uh, in science. In fact, we had somebody from the School of Business that had talked about how to give an effective elevator pitch at a Millennium Cafe before, oh. was one of the judges. Okay. And it was a really, really great experience and so much cool research going on that you would never know about. And And that's the sort of, that's the reason why we do this is because everyone should really have that skill, this two-minute you know, what do you do? And you should be able to sort of explain it in two minutes because that's about the time span of whether someone's going to be interested or not. So I think this is cool because it's a really good practice forum, I'm guessing, for honing your elevator speech, right? It really was. And one thing that I hadn't planned on was I would say probably half of the people that came up and talked to me after I had given them my pitch they told me some personal story they had that related to earthquakes or earth science. <laughs> That's kind of cool. I wouldn't have thought about that either, especially in your neck of the woods, you know? Yeah, no, one of the judges came up uh, and we did our little pitch and he gave me a little bit of feedback immediately. And then he said, you know, I used to be in California and went on about some earthquakes there. Another person came by and said, wow, I grew up in Alaska and I was there for some crazy <laughs> earthquakes. And uh-huh. It was, That's oh cool. yeah, it was really great to hear people's stories and answer questions that, you know, remind you of the fundamentals. Somebody asks you a really fundamental question about why are the earthquakes more spread out in this part of the world than over here and things like that that you have to say, oh, oh yes, I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. The uh, poster contest that I judged was in basically life sciences. And so there were a lot of, you know, DNA receptor talks. <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite, it was, it was pretty interesting. I think the students got a good feel for talking to people who weren't necessarily in their discipline because you do that so often and you have to be able to pitch your, pitch your science to anyone. So that's kind of neat. Was it, so was this, this was a judged event then? It was a judged event. So there were people milling around, but there were four judges. They would each come by individually. So you gave your pitch to judges four times. Uh, which was kind of nice okay. because if you stumbled on one, you could recover on the others possibly. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, d- I've done that as well. So I understand. Right. But no, overall it was really great. And then in between the judges, you were encouraged to, you know, go to the people around you and hear their pitch, find out a little bit about what they do. And let me tell you, there are some really cool research projects going on here. Uh, that's kind of that's a really awesome because sometimes you don't want to sit there and you know you never know if you're going to get stuck for 30 minutes at a poster that you're not really interested in right I'm, and here you, it's I very would limited love to implement this 
Yes, exactly. Two minutes or less. So were the judges, did they read your posters beforehand or were your posters like normal, what you would take to a conference poster? No. So here's actually the rules on what the poster was were a little vague and a little strange, I thought. (laughs) They sent out the judging criteria and nowhere on the judging sheet do they evaluate your poster, your graphics, anything like that. It is The judging (laughs) is solely on your two-minute pitch. Oh, wow. That had to be painful for you because we know you love to draft figures. Right. And (laughs) your poster, you know, in quotes, had to be no more than four sheets of eight and a half by 11 paper. (gasps) You could not use, you know, a larger sheet of paper, one large sheet of paper that was the same size, but you could put four individual sheets together if you wanted. Um, And they said you could use less if you wanted, or you could use none since it wasn't required. I actually ended up having three pages, but I only had maybe eight words on each and one figure on each. Wow. And the figures were very broad. Uh, The first figure, and actually the only one that I really leaned on heavily, was a map of all earthquakes greater than magnitude four in the ANSS catalog since 1980. So it was a map of the world that just outlined the plate boundaries with 350,000 earthquakes, basically. I was gonna say that's kind of a it's kind of a small map area to actually have any data on. Yeah, I mean the main point was to show <laughs> where tectonic plate boundaries are and that earthquakes occur there. So right, there's yeah. that. There's a picture of the machine that I use here, the Biax, and then there is a cartoon drawing of the spring slider model of an earthquake. So elastic rebound, basically. Okay, so you got one of your figures, then that's good. Right. Yes, one of my cartoon figures I like. That sounds, but it it was a lot of fun. Exactly. Uh, That sounds really cool. So did you did you win? I got third place. I was super excited about it. Oh, awesome! And there were excellent. So many great presenters. The top three presenters have been asked to give our pitches in two weeks at one of the normal Millennium cafes. So I can't wait to hear what the top two sounded like. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty. And there was another group that actually tied for third, and this was a two-person group. And I had just talked to them not long before the competition was over. They had a really interesting project. They were making a pitcher plant potty. (laughs) So I'm assuming you don't mean a toilet that pitcher plants can use. (laughs) No. So the idea is they want to make toilets for developing countries where it may not have running water. But Mm -hmm. you still want things to be sanitary, clean, low smell, all that. So they were working on these coatings that, like the insides of a pitcher plant, things would not stick to. They would go down and basically not come back. Oh. Oh. That's really neat, actually. Yeah. And the coating, this is where, I believe they were in mechanical engineering, but a lot of it was chemistry that was over my head, I will admit. Uh, This was basically... (laughs) Most chemistry is over my head. (laughs) But this was basically a liquid coating that would self-heal... And things wouldn't oh, stick to it. So they cool. would show, you know, throwing globs of stuff at this, and it would just slide off the coating, and the surface would remain clean, and then they could scratch it up, and the coating would just kind of ooze back together. And they could do this hundreds of times. Wow. It sounds like, like the slime that's in uh, bicycle tires or something like that. That's, that's a pretty cool usage of it. Yeah, so it was absolutely great to see what everybody was doing. And big thanks to PPG Industries, who sponsored the whole thing. It was just a phenomenally successful event. And you got to learn about things like pitcher plants being used to make better potties. 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And using plant materials to enhance human existence kind of leads into our Fun Paper Friday. It does. It leads in perfectly. We did not plan that, did we? <laughs> we didn't, but it was good. <laughs> uh, so this Fun Paper Friday, everybody's favorite segment of the show, comes from Applied <laughs> Physics Letters, and it is called, very simply, Onion Artificial Muscles. Which is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it is. I saw a, uh, a news story about this, and I had to go look up the paper, and it was weirder than I thought it would be from the news story. <laughs> it is really strange, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't really even realize that this was sort of an issue, is that you, it's hard to find a material that can act as a muscle. Right. So muscles have to stretch and contract, but also bend. And apparently it's very hard to get one material that does both the stretching and contraction, contracting and the bending. Yes. I didn't realize this was an issue at all. I would have figured that we already had artificial um, materials like this, but I guess it just proves, you know, the answers are often in nature where we don't expect them to be because they use onion skin so and that's exactly what it is onion epidermal cells and they run electricity through them because they react to the electricity in all three of those ways that a muscle would yeah and i i found this fascinating you know you can peel off this really thin layer of epidermal cells you can do it at home right now if you have an onion and that's a one cell thick layer so it's 20 to 30 microns which is crazy because I've never, I mean, you do this all the time when you're actually peeling an onion and I didn't realize that that was just a single cell sheet and that's what they use in here because they put that in between, what did they put it in between? They put it in between two layers of gold. So they actually sputter coat gold right, on the go. top and bottom mm -hmm. of the onion. Ah, yes. Okay. I see this figure two. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so now they've created basically this little muscle that they run electricity through. Right. So they actually use different thicknesses of gold. And when they said this, it made perfect sense, but I don't know that I would have thought of it initially, of use a thicker layer on one side because it changes the stiffness on that side. So you get a greater bending moment when you actuate the oh, muscle. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. And so they're that's kind of yeah, neat. and they're putting quite a bit of voltage to these. And they're putting up to uh, I think about a kilovolt. Right, and that gives them a deflection in the onion skin of about a millimeter, right? Yeah, and so to measure this, they actually use this laser displacement sensor to see how far their little onion actuator was moving. And this is one point in the paper. I hate to nitpick this, but in the figure two, they have what shows. A, a computer, and it says PC on it to indicate the login computer. <laughs> but right below it, it has the <laughs> Apple symbol. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that was a little painful. Um, I love that. But anyway, other than that. <laughs> that's quite wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was this... uh, they're just trying to give equal, equal, you know, representation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a really interesting paper, and I encourage you to download it, look at the SEM images of what these onion cells look like. It's pretty wild. It is really wild. You would really not be able to tell those weren't actual human epidermal cells, I think. But you said there's also a video, right? Because they made these little tweezers out of these onion artificial muscles. Right. So if you go down to figure five, there's a little link. And 
it shows these tweezers of onion skin coming down, picking up this object, and lifting it up, and then dropping it. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, and... It seems like a super cheap way to, you know, <laughs> make artificial muscles. You know, it's cheap, it's natural, so you don't have to worry about throwing things away into landfills that are not going to biodegrade. It's onion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not incredibly strong. They're saying 20 micronewtons of force at a kilovolt. Mm-hmm. But yep. you would be surprised you could do with 20 micronewtons probably. And I'm right, sure they can exactly. get stronger with use higher potentials. And, you know, yeah, that could just unlock other um, <laughs> fruits and vegetables that could help us in the future too. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know where inspiration is going to come from. Exactly. This is, I will say this is the only good use of an onion I can think of. Otherwise, I oh, otherwise I don't care for so them painful. much. Oh, that's so painful. Oh, they're the best things out there, man. <laughs> well, but. if you have a good use for an onion, or you want to send us your field pictures, <laughs> because we love getting those. We didn't get any this week. So if you're out there doing something cool, oh. be sure to send it in so we can talk about it. Even if you're in the lab, send us those too. We understand. So Shannon, if they want to do that, how can they get a hold of us? Uh, they can email us, show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. We're on the web, don'tpanicgeocast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, at don'tpanicgeo. John is at geo underscore Lehman, and I am at Shannon Doolin. And while you're at it, head on over to iTunes and quickly write us a little review. That'll help others that might like the show find us. We'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a shout-out if you do so. Until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. Yay! Yay. <laughs> you have to, you have to um, use that. That was wonderful. <laughs> that was so Monty Python. <laughs>